You're now listening to a Binge Bull Brain podcast, the show that teaches simple neuroscience-based strategies to ending binge eating, overeating, and emotional eating through the inside-out understanding of your habits. I'm Natalia, your host, and I'm here to help you create wellness without the obsession. Let's get started. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. In today's podcast episode, we are going to talk about the dark side of self-improvement industry. And who knows, maybe at the end of today's podcast episode, you will decide that you don't have to read another self-help book and you prefer to read some fiction. I'm going to give you all the problems that I see in self-help books. And when I say books, I don't mean only books, but also audiobooks, webinars, and different courses, and in general, just the self-improvement industry. But first, I would like to share with you my story. So I believe that the person I am today, it is partially thanks to self-development industry. About 10 years ago, I discovered the world of self-improvement and I believe that my life was improved because at the time I lacked mentorship in my life. So of course I was looking to meet somebody who is wiser than me, than me, who is more ahead in life, who can teach me something. But I didn't know anyone like that in my real life, so I looked for those people online. I look for them in books, right? And it is great thing that there are people who want to share their wisdom. So imagine a person who've been working on some kind of concept for the 10, 20, 30 years and they decide to gather all that information and put it into a book. It's a brilliant idea. So all of a sudden, by reading a book, you can download all the knowledge that that person gathered throughout the years. So it's a great shortcut. And it's also great that we humans, we do have this desire to improve. We believe that we can improve. We believe that we can become better versions of ourselves. Uh, I always felt better after reading uh, or watching something that was connected to self-development. Unfortunately, usually it was short Lived. It's been almost a decade and since I've been in the self-development industry. And I think that for me, it's, it's time to stop. <laughs> it's time to stop being there. And in today's podcast episode, I'm going to share with you why. Because I believe that self-help industry, it has some dark side. So first of all, I believe that when I entered the self-help industry... I felt this weird sense of pride. I felt like I'm being above other people because I was working on myself. I was trying to fix myself and somebody next to me was just a slob who didn't know how to motivate themselves, who didn't know how to be productive, who didn't know how to organize their life. I would also say that self-help became for me my mental masturbation and unfortunately it didn't serve me long term. I started seeing more clearly what self-help industry was all about. Each area of self-help industry answers one question. How to milk your life. How to be more productive. How to be more likable. How to be the most successful person. How to feel happiest. How to work just four hours per week. So it emphasizes that you as a person, you are the most important. 
You should maximize your profit in life. You cannot be ordinary. You must maximize your value as a human being. Now, ask yourself, like, does this sound right for you? And I know that in marketing, they use different wording, like uh, change your life, improve your life, transform your life. But when we put it that way, you know, how to milk your life, it doesn't sound as good. And all of those self-help books, they are selling you hope. And remember that self-help industry is also just like diet industry. So you as a person, you are the most profitable for this industry when you are unhappy and discontent. So they need to program in you that belief that you are inadequate. They need to show you that you are dissatisfied with your life so that you feel that need to change. And the funny thing is that every author claims that they know how to fix you, that they have the secret ingredient. You need to just buy this book, read it, and your life is going to be changed. So if every author knows that secret to a happy, productive life, you have to ask yourself like, oh my God, how many secrets are there? Because if there are millions of books in self-help industry, so each book claims to possess the secret, so how many secrets are there? But of course, I understand that this is, this is marketing, right? <laughs> Because if I would write a book, I would also sell you a secret. Probably on the first page, I would write to you that I found the secret to binge freedom the secret to food freedom. <laughs> but, but I understand, you have to understand, we all have to understand that this is just marketing. But anyways, even though it's marketing, those, those books, they still promise you change. They promise to change your life. And this is so alluring. Unfortunately, most of those books, they do offer a blanket statement advice that doesn't work for everyone. Because Oftentimes, the nuance is lost. And you know that with binge eating recovery. I've been working for so many people. And sure, I could gather some information that maybe works for everybody. But also, I feel like each person's path to binge freedom was totally different. So even if I would give you a framework, even if you would follow it to the T, I cannot guarantee that it would work for you. You cannot copycat somebody's path to binge freedom or just fulfillment in life because each, each person's path is very, very unique. The interesting fact about the self-development industry is that often it makes you feel not good enough because you feel that there's something wrong with you. Why can't you achieve the success that author promises to you. So I first approached self-help industry with the notion that I'm probably broken. I need to fix myself. So I went to self-help books to fix myself. And there's a difference between, you know, improving myself versus fixing myself. Now from the perspective of time, I do see the, see the difference between improvement and fixing. But I think that I approach it with the mindset that I need to fix myself. I believe that I was lacking. I wasn't good enough. I felt lost. I totally forgot that I'm a whole person 
as I am. Like, I don't need to fix anything. Uh, it's important when you approach self-help uh, that you differentiate between, you know, improving yourself versus fixing yourself and also improving yourself versus healing yourself. Because I think that the aim of self-help industry shouldn't be just, you know, improvement and like changing yourself, but it should be more like healing yourself that you already have what you need. You just have to discover it. Paradoxically, I think that being in a self-improvement industry can make you feel dissatisfied with your life, dissatisfied with your journey. Imagine that you are chasing your better self, that you imagine and visualize how your life could look like. But by trying to change yourself, by trying to improve yourself, become this better version of yourself, you are rejecting your current self. At least I felt that way. Because I was constantly dissatisfied with myself and my current actions. I saw the, the contrast between future self and future me and my future life versus now. And now was always not good enough. So I was fed up because nothing changed in my life. No matter how many books uh, I read and how many podcasts I listened to, like there weren't any drastic changes in my life. And I believe that I just didn't try hard enough. Because if that book promises to transform my life and make me, I don't know, rich, make me a millionaire before 30, then obviously I am, I am failing. I should be able to do it, right? That book had so many positive reviews online. So many people felt like it made such a big impact on their life. But why doesn't it happen for me? So each self-help book you read, it gives you a framework. It gives you some steps you can take towards the life you want to live. So after reading each of those books, I knew what to do, but I didn't do it. So I would start beating myself up. I took blame on myself. I felt guilty. I also felt frustrated with myself. And that was just fueling my perfectionist mindset. I felt behind in life because I knew that success is totally possible for me, but somehow I didn't felt I didn't feel like I'm succeeding. I didn't feel drastic changes even with all of the inner work I was doing. And also I believe that some of those self-help books they do have wrong goal because they maybe they want to teach you how to never stress, how to never feel a negative emotion how to achieve success, how to become the best lover, how to make everyone love you, which some of those goals are just not achievable. And you end up chasing one goal after another. I don't know about you, but when I read one self-help book, you know, it started this chain of reading more books because maybe in that book, somebody mentioned another author. So I went to the other book and I always felt like I need more. And every time I would read a self-help book, I felt this dopamine spike. I felt accomplished. So I would buy another one. I would chase uh, another thing. And it was also connected with the lack of fulfillment, right? Because there weren't any book that I would say like, okay, now I know everything. Now I don't have to chase another book. It's it's tricky thing because I think that self-development courses, books, uh, webinars, um, 
TED Talks, they do make you feel accomplished because in the moment you feel like, oh, I've done something. Like I, I've made some progress, but at the same time, you lack fulfillment because it doesn't make you feel satisfied. And also it often leads to analysis paralysis. So you gather all this knowledge, but still you have you cannot like make a decision because you are overthinking problem. You believe that you need to know one more thing before you I don't know, start a business, for example. So self-help industry promises you that change, but always you end up looking for another thing. You are always looking for the next big thing that is going to change your life. You believe that I need this one thing before I can do something. You need this one trick that will unlock your potential. Uh, And you always believe that this time it's going to be different. You always believe that this time it will, you will stick to it and you won't have to try another, uh, another book, another approach, another, uh, another program. You believe that it's going to end at this uh, program, but it never does. And your brain likes to move the goalpost. So, okay, now you are productive, but now maybe you need to organize your life. Now you have to become a minimalist. Now you have to do something else, right? So you are in this addictive cycle and I believe that in, for me, it, it felt addictive, right? Because for the past 10 years, I rarely reached for fictional book. All, almost all the books I read were about like self-improvement, how to be healthier, happier, better person. So, uh, so I was looking for those books to fix me. I forgot that what I was looking for was already within me, that the happiness I was seeking is probably already here. It's already in the present moment. But of course, I didn't see it because I was beating myself up for not implementing what I was learning. And that's the most, the biggest problem with the self-help books, that you are stuck in this cycle of gathering knowledge and you rarely implement what you've learned. And you have to remember that all of those self-help books, they are useless unless you use them. Knowledge is not power, it's potential power because action is power. And for me, reading the next self-help book was just a form of escapism. It was also a form of action faking. So I was doing all the stuff and it made me feel good to read another book, uh, watch another webinar. It made me feel good about the progress I was making, but I didn't really make any meaningful progress. So chasing another information, another piece of content that's supposed to help me, that could change my life, it distracted me. It was a shield that protected me from acting. So reading books, listening to webinars and not taking action is just procrastination. You have the ratio of creating versus versus consuming totally wrong. You are consuming more uh, than you are creating, which is which is not good for you because in your life you need to create. And I would tell you that maybe instead of seeing self-development industry as an end to which you aspire, you need to see you need to, you need to start seeing it as something that you apply daily. And this daily action, those daily small steps, they will compound and they will lead to incremental progress. And this is something that we are looking for. But there are, there are still some 
some problems with the self-help industry. And I believe that this industry can be very sneaky and can be even it can become even toxic, right? I already mentioned that, for example, I was blaming myself for not succeeding uh, as other people uh, succeeded, right? I believed that uh, I should also succeed just by reading this book and by implementing it just a little bit. Another problem is that um, self-help industry can be a little bit toxic. We know that we can take things too far, uh, that we've got concepts like toxic positivity or maybe even toxic productivity lifestyle. Nowadays, we are all chasing productivity. We want to be creative. We want to have work done in like two hours per day. But I think that this is problematic from from many different reasons. But in my case, I attached my self-worth to my productivity. So my worth was tightly connected to uh, to my ability to produce something, to contribute. And this is something I had to work on uh, work on during therapy. One of the good examples of this toxic producti- productivity lifestyle is also the hassle cor- culture. You are working hard just for the sake of working hard. And I'm a great example of this. Like my boyfriend all, always laughs because it it always looks like I'm working on something. I'm always busy. If you would look at how much I produce, I actually don't produce that much. I'm just always busy, but I'm always in like research state, gathering data, reading and so on. So my ratio consuming versus creating is still, um, you know, the, the consuming part is definitely still bigger, which I would like to work on. Another problem with the self-help industry is that it is focused on an individual. And the most funny thing is that this individual, this self, that believes that it is broken, that it is not good enough, and that it needs fixing, that's also the part that should qualify and specify and carry out the work to become a better version of yourself. (laughs) Can you see that paradox? So the part of you that believes that is broken, that part of you also needs to fix itself. (laughs) I think that it's it's a biggest paradox. At the beginning of today's podcast episode, I've mentioned that self-help industry was very helpful for me. It helped me to develop as a person. But I believe that I saw the biggest changes when I stopped treating self-help as something that should fix me, but rather as something that could help me know myself better. So instead of using those tools to mold myself into a person I am not, I started using them to know myself better. I don't know, maybe you know them, the, the Greek maxim, te ipsum. So it is an inscription uh, engraved at the entrance of the temple of Apollo in Delphi, and we could translate it as know yourself. So as you can see, even in early ancient Greek, they knew that discovering who you are is very important. They didn't engrave their, you know, some motivational uh, words like become better version of yourself, improve yourself. No, they knew how important it is to know yourself. So I believe that self-development shouldn't be about developing yourself. It should be about self-inquiry, self-awareness. 
you don't need to change yourself. You don't have to throw, throw yourself away to become something better. No, it's about befriending who you already are. And I would like to share with you a quote from Leonard Cohen. I stopped working on my masterpiece and I started relaxing into the masterpiece that is life. At the end of today's podcast episode, I would like to share with you how to use the bright side of self-help for your benefit. So first of all, I think that it's great that you want to improve yourself. Maybe you've noticed uh, some problematic habits, behaviors you have, and you would like to change them. And that's very admirable. So if you're going to approach some self-help books, please remember that most of them can be summarized in a couple of bullet points. So if you read a book, just find three, four things to focus on and try to apply them. Really simplify the work because some authors, they will present you with so many strategies and all of it is just overwhelming. But believe me, to live a good life, you can really summarize it on a couple of things that you have to focus on. And whenever you uh, approach self-help books, approach them with the sense of curiosity. So don't let it become your mental masturbation. Be more intentional with every book or course you enroll into. Ask yourself, like, do, what do you want to create? What area of your life you want to grow? And remember that you want to be intentional. You approach it with the curiosity not because you are lacking something in life, but because you're just curious. You, you just want to see, you just want to experiment and see what's going to happen. It's not about fixing yourself because you are not lacking anything. So just remember that you are not damaged. You are not inadequate. And no amount of self-development work can change your worth. Number of self-help books you read shouldn't change your sense of self worth. You are not missing anything. You've got everything you need to be happy right now. It's great if you want to improve yourself, but what is the best is finding out that you were never broken in the first place, that you don't need to change, that this peace of mind is always available for you. You probably already have what you've been looking for. Self-improvement may be not about improving yourself, but about healing some part of you that are wounded. When you enter the self-development world, also remember that pursuit of being optimal may not be optimal for you. Because optimal people do not focus on being optimal. And even people who write all of those books, they are not perfect. They are not always fully applying what they are suggesting to you. Also, the pursuit of being optimal and having the best life, it might not be as pleasurable and satisfying as you might have imagined it to be, because it would probably require you to have a lot of control over your life. What I've noticed is that the life becomes more expansive, it becomes bigger, more satisfying, more exciting when you are less rigid, when you relax into life instead of trying to control it. When approaching self-help industry, also remember that you are the expert of your life and your body, and you are the authority. So nobody can tell you how to live your life because you have 
specific desires, you can help mold yourself into somebody else. And also, somebody else's formula may not work for you. So you should not give your power away to somebody else. Self-help books are not here to fix you. Self-help books can help you to heal yourself. But the part that is doing the work is you. Also remember that you will never arrive. You will never behave perfectly. You are not going to live that ideal life. And it shouldn't be your goal. It shouldn't be an end because it's impossible to be perfect. Of course, you are perfect already right now with all of your imperfection. Just don't um, aspire to this ideal that is totally unachievable. Okay, guys, that would be all what I wanted to share with you today. I would love to hear your opinion about self-help industry. Is it helpful for you? Do you see the same problems I see? And I've got one more request for you. If you have any fiction books that you would like to recommend, please share them with me. I think that after a decade of reading mainly self-help books, I'm ready to start reading more fiction. And you know what? Uh, books, fiction books, are actually pretty good for your brain as well, mainly because they're virtual transposition. So it happens when you visualize in your mind just different reality, and this is triggered by reading fiction books, watching TV shows, and so on. So this is very beneficial for your brain. Especially that, um, you know, reading, listening to audiobooks, it forces you to visualize and experience in safe environment, many feelings, thoughts and happenings of the f- uh, fiction character. And this is very good for you. It teaches your brain how to feel those emotions in a, f- uh, in a safe space. And that can help you in a, in a real day-to-day environment. So I'm excited to start reading some fiction. To make things easier for you, let me share with you what kind of fiction books I used to enjoy in the past. So definitely fantasy books and science fiction, but also medical thrillers and historical romance. (laughs) Okay, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast episode and see you in the next podcast episode. Bye! If you enjoyed today's podcast episode and you would like to stay in touch with me, Make sure to follow Bingeproof Brain on Instagram and if you are ready to take this material to the next level and apply what you've learned, then go ahead and submit your coaching application for my Bingeproof Brain coaching program. Thank you so much for joining me today and have a great day. Bye!